How stupid are you guys? All you people out there in TV land, you just make me sick. We told the world what we were going to do, and we went out and did it. The wrestler who will dominate the sport like no other wrestler can. WCW has tried way too long to try to hold me back. The whole facade. Who cares? No one cares. Welcome to the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast, the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And we're back this week for another edition of Stunning Steve. This is episode 8 of Stunning Steve Austin, and we are covering February of 1992. I'm Mike Pru, along with JV. JV, welcome back. How you doing? Doing well, man. How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. You uh, you uh, just came back from a trip not too long ago since the last time we recorded. You took a little vacation. and. Hit up Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, baby. It was it. fucking awesome. A lot of fun. You saw the pictures. Oh, God. The pictures, the videos. You synced it. I synced it. I synced it. Fucking, fucking balling. Felt like ballers out there, dude. Yeah. Fucking all, all dressed drip. up. All fucking. dripped out, as the kids say. Dripped. You got that drip. That drip. <laughs> Seth Rollins drip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's fucking great. Man, I can't wait to go on a fucking vacation at some point. <laughs> oh. Good luck. Yeah, my vacation was uh well I had February vacation, so I can't complain, yep. but I'm not going anywhere really. You know? <laughs> Just wife and kids hanging around. We're in bowling. We went to David I Bucks's. saw that. That looked cool though. Yeah, yeah. So you lost cool. to one yeah. of your daughters. I hope that was a fucking purpose. I think you lost to Tatum. I did. I did lose to Tatum. She I'm fucking like, dude, beat he me. sucks at bowling. I don't know what the fuck happened on that first, that first <laughs> set that I did. I meant to bust your balls about that. I'm glad you brought it. I was going to talk shit on the, the thing, but I'm like, ah, it's all pictures of the kids and stuff. I'll wait till I see him. I had to talk shit to him. He lost. She fucking. Like, did you have the bumpers on? Did you both have the bumpers she on? Yeah, the bumpers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did too, and you still got destroyed? Yes. Yes. With the bumpers on, bro? All right, let's talk about the other set, though. <laughs> I fucking. <laughs> I kicked everyone's ass the second time around. So you can't was, go there anymore. I was warming up. Yeah. Dude, I don't know how she got the score she got. Never mind how I got the score I got. But. It was. It's different though. I, I barely ever play with little the little balls. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> it's tough to the, talk about bowling. This is the duck uh, pins though. So it's yeah. you know it's a different technique than I was used to with the regular size bowling balls where you put your fingers in. This is like yeah, you're you throwing a fucking yeah. You palm it. It's like a ski ball. Right. So it was a little different technique for me to get used to because I hadn't done. That's even worse. Right, so she couldn't even time. get lucky and beat you because she had a bigger ball. Hey, fuck off, <laughs> <laughs> dude! I don't know what happened. She got like a strike or something randomly. I don't know. Just fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I'm te- I'm terrible at bowling. So, but goddamn, 
I would have tripped her when I saw I was losing. And she was do- doing like under her <laughs> legs and shit, and then she was like doing this other maneuver where she was like holding the hand, holding the ball with both hands, and then like like a, like she was doing like track or something like <laughs> maneuver. That's so yeah. funny. Maybe she's just a natural. No, well, no, because she sucked, sucked the next game. So, uh, <laughs> what, you ever see that bowling video? Of that guy is like, whoever you think you are, I am. You ever see that guy? No. What? I gotta send it to you. So. It's like this pro bowler in like his retirement match or something. Old dude. Guess he was like a like the Michael Jordan of bowling though. Like he used to win all the time, and he fucking won on like the last. He got like four strikes in a row. I don't know. I don't know bowling. He did something that was like awesome to win. And after he did it, it was like the best shit talking ever. He's like, yes! Huh. Oh, yes! Whoever you think you are, I'm him! <laughs> That's great. It's, it's like fucking uh, Bill Murray in uh, Kingpin. Yeah, this guy was basically him. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure so... our, viewers, our listeners have heard of this guy. Yeah, it, it was like have, a viral cause... moment. Yeah, I, I miss out on some of the viral moments. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that was fun. David Buster's was fucking, I guess, fun. The food sucks, man. Food sucks. It always sucks. Yeah. I'm, I'm always disappointed. Like, what? Where the fuck did we eat? Should have eaten the fucking food court. Yeah. At, uh, Providence. Yep. They got a great food court. A lot of fucking different Thai, Japanese, Chinese. Like, it's good shit. We, we we were walking by, and there was you know one one lady at the Thai place. Like, want a sample? And man, it smells so good. I was like, took me a lot to say no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately, my wife Alex was like, "Oh, we should get Thai food like to bring home." <laughs> we never ended up doing it, but was this we were, before or after? On our way to Dave and Buster's. Dave and Buster's, and you gotta eat that yeah. shit food. Then we ate their fucking crap ass food. What horrible! I, you always, I, I make the same mistake. I always forget how bad their food is because I don't go there enough. So I have it that I'm like. Ugh, that's right. This food sucks. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm going back to like the thinking that the food was good, you know, from my memory of being like 20 years old or something, going there. Yeah, like yeah. being like being fine with it. Like, all right, yeah, chicken tenders or the cheeseburger. This shit blew. I had a cheeseburger. <laughs> it sucked. So I didn't even eat the whole thing. I have. I had the cheese wasn't even like melted on it. And they put two cheese, two slices of cheese on the burger, and it was just like floppy. I kind of like peeled it off, like ugh. Their plastic cheese they use. Yeah. And like I don't the like cheapest I mean, you I can like, get from like Cisco distributors. <laughs> right. Right. It looks like fucking play food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not good. Ugh. And I, I don't like che- too much cheese to begin with because I don't like it being all like. Yeah, you're not a cheesy you know I mean? guy. No, I used to take, take fucking cheese off pizza. Off, right, I used to take cheese off of pizza for a fucking long ass time. <laughs> this, hey, I accept it. People talk shit then; they talk <laughs> shit now. Yeah. I'm fine. I eat it now. I eat the cheese now. The sociopath needs. They want to talk shit. I'm just gonna kill him. <laughs> fucking no cheese killer. <laughs> All right, so enough bullshit. But anyway, uh, it's good to be back here at the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast, getting into another episode of Stunning Steve Austin. It's been, it's been a, a couple of weeks, maybe a week and uh, two and a half weeks, whatever. But we're back at it, and uh, we're in March now. 
and know what that means. 316 Day is coming up. We'll talk a little bit about that later. That's right. But yeah, we're in our favorite month for Austin, March. Okay, so anyway, thanks guys for joining us once again here on the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. Give us a follow on Twitter at Bottom Line Cast. That'd be great. Follow me, Mike Pru at MPRU83. Follow JV at John Van Damage. And thanks everybody who checked out our previous episode, Sonic Steve, episode seven, covering late January '92. And you know, we we hit some gold in that episode. JV, you hit some gold. I, I set you up for it, and you fucking ran with it. It in our uh, Burger King armbar song <laughs> that you spit out there. Yeah, that that was a viral moment for the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how viral, but uh, our listeners uh, you know seem to like it. Our, our two two of our best you know long term listeners, Ian Milligan and Alex Dorio, appreciated it and uh, reached out to us and you know shared. You know, Ian he shared a video with us of him doing it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and dude, nails it. Man, yeah, Ian nails it every time. Like Ian will send those videos where. We even have a little group with him on Facebook, like just me, him, and JV, like just the bullshit around it here and there. And Ian will send those videos of like just clips from the past from the podcast of either me saying something or JV saying something that he thought he thought was funny. And he'll 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 say it himself, and he fucking nails it every time. Like, yeah, like better than we do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the fucking cleaned, better version of what we intended to say. <laughs> So that was great. He he did the armbar song, and he said his uh his his newborn got a kick out of it too, laughing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And then Alex Dorio, he of Talking Taker, he put he sent us a little clip on uh, on on Twitter. Right, it was Twitter right? Is that where it was? Yeah. And he took the uh, he took the clip, but then mixed it with the Bird King song the background music that's right know? yeah yep <laughs> so that was great that was fun and i knew i knew when you did that oh people are gonna get a kick out of that because that was fucking great i was laughing <laughs> my ass off. <laughs> so now from this point on marcus alexander bagwell we're gonna be looking out for on bars and hip tosses <laughs> that's it and we do have a watch along match during this episode that has Marcus Alexander Bagwell. So we'll definitely be looking for some arm bars during that match. <laughs> All right. So like I said, we're going to cover February 1992. But before we get into it, there's one thing that I have to recap that we didn't get to on a previous episode. It was WCW Saturday night from January 25th. It was a match between Dustin Rhodes and Arn Anderson of the Dangerous Alliance. Dustin Rhodes defeated Arn Anderson. VDQ, uh, Larry Zabisco interfered, and then Barry Windham came in, made the save, but then Austin got involved, so that's why we're bringing it up here. Austin got involved, and he ended up getting beat with, uh, well, taking the, uh, oh, let me fucking rephrase this here, because <laughs> Barry Windham made the save, fought off an attack from Steve Austin, and then repeatedly hit Austin. So Austin's getting whacked the whacked the hell with um Paulie's phone. So Barry Windham got a handle of the phone and started beating up Austin with it, and then put Austin in the figure four. So Austin got his ass kicked. We failed to mention. I I, I think probably because we were sick of Austin looking like a chump that I just left this one out. <laughs> but, 
to tell the true story, you know, I had to bring it up here. <laughs> and also, you know, Barry Windham is going to be getting Only more troops, and more involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Barry Windham will be getting more and more involved. So I, I figured I had to put that in there because we'll see where it goes over the next couple of months between Austin and Windham. All right. So that's all the coverage that I wanted to just recap from what we should have done last time. Now we'll get into February 1992. And I'm going to kick things off this time, and we're going to go right into that. So we got a stunning Steve Austin versus Barry Windham match for the TV championship. And this was from February 1st, 1992, episode of uh, WCW World Championship Wrestling, the Saturday Night Show. And it was taped on January 22nd, 1992 in Kansas City, Missouri. So we'll get right into the action. Uh, this is not available to watch on YouTube. I tried finding it. You know, couldn't get it, so I had to reach out to our, our buddy, the hookup man. A plug. Richard Land. And uh, he has everything, of course. So Every podcast has a plug. <laughs> yep. And uh, he, he sent it over. And a lot of times it's Richard. Richard is <laughs> for wrestling podcast. He's he's the go-to guy. You know, even podcasts that are making a lot of money use him. <laughs> so, Damn. Yeah. So we appreciate Richard you know, helping out. Bottom line, wrestling cast ECW. He's been helping us out for years, you know, getting those of the episodes. So he's a cool guy, very nice. So we support him. Also, check out his website, thehistoryofwwe.com. Gives all the fucking results for anything you could ever think of, basically. All right. So anyway, stunning Steve Austin versus Barry Windham. We got our TV champion, Steve Austin. Heads to the ring. He's heading to the ring with Paulie. And he has a very noticeable limp. Okay, and last episode, I talked about how we know he's been injured. And he did miss some time in January. So he was legit injured. But now it looks like they're they're using it as part of the story here. So he's overselling, really. Because he's fine to wrestle, obviously. If he's not fine, he's not going to be wrestling. But he's fine to wrestle, but he's, he's selling the injury. JR's on commentary here, and he's solo on commentary. Which... He does a pretty good job, JV, on commentary by himself. You know, I, I like it. Be, I like it because Jr. at this time in ninety two, ninety one, when he has somebody that he's working with, Jr. can come off like an asshole sometimes on commentary when he's interacting with another person. So in this situation where he's by himself, he's not as snarky or an asshole because he doesn't have anybody to, you know. Talk shit to. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's better off by himself at this point, I think. <laughs> so anyway, Jay, I was on commentary, and uh, he points out that Paul has given Austin you know, the new Rockney style pep talk. So of course, you know, we got we got to bring it to old school football, with Jr. So yeah, new Rockney. Uh, yeah, he's giving it all new Rockney. Huh? So Austin <laughs> is uh, walking gingerly <laughs> to the ring. <laughs> Barry Windham makes his way to the ring now, and he's got some knockoff ZZ Top music. You know, it, it sounds just just like Lagrange. Lagrange, you know the song. Yeah, yeah. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yep. oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, great song. And um, <laughs> I, I got to bring this up to you because we haven't talked about this yet. But on our last episode of the Extreme ECW Livecast, where we covered CyberSlam. 96, at the end of the episode, you know, we play, we play a song, we played Rush Tom Sawyer, and we went into 
playing that song by saying like, oh, this would have been a good fucking great wrestling entrance theme. And, yeah. and it already was. <laughs> like, I don't know why I zoned out and didn't remember that. I felt like I've done that a couple times with with um, Tom Sawyer. But it was fucking Carrie Von Erich's theme music, like, his whole time in world world-class championship wrestling. Because his nickname was the Modern Day Warrior. And that's like one of the main parts of the song. The Modern Day Warrior, Mean, Mean. Oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, so uh, we got called out, of course, on that one. Like, it is it is wrestling entrance music already. <laughs> it wasn't just Rick Beebe. Rick Beebe said it initially, and I was like, oh, man, that was fucking dumb shit. That's right. Yeah, they expect it, that shit from me, not you. Yes, yeah. I was like, ah, JV's not going to care because JV's probably like, I don't give a fuck, dude. <laughs> but, you know, I knew that, but I forgot. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, I'm wrong again? Yeah. Let me yes. know when I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Just assume I'm wrong. Yeah, that was my fault. Yeah, we got, we, we're on the assumption JV doesn't fucking know, you know, world class championship wrestling. I'm trying to like act like I know everything. <laughs> and I don't, obviously. <laughs> or I forget things, because we fucking recorded at like fucking 11 o'clock at night. Whatever. Yeah. So, anyway. I had to bring that up. Um, but yeah, LaGrange. You know, maybe... <laughs> and I bring all that up you know, to say this. That would be some good wrestling entrance music, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in, a, in this case, apparently is. It's a knockoff Barry Windham. <laughs> Barry Windham used the knockoff version of it. So anyway, JR points out that Windham wants blood, but especially he wants Larry Zabisco's blood. Because they have an ongoing thing going on. Austin sets to lock up with Windham, but Windham says fuck that, and Windham just starts kicking at Austin's injured leg. So the injured leg comes into play right away. Austin drops to the mat, and Windham works Austin's leg with repeated knee drops to the back of Austin's leg. And JR does a great job repeating that Austin is vulnerable and, again, telling the crowd, this is for the TV championship. This is for the TV championship you know, to get people invested in this match. And the fact that Austin is vulnerable and he might lose this championship because of his condition at this point. Barry Windham goes for an early figure four, but as he turns to lock it in, Austin kicks Windham in the ass, sending Windham flying through the second rope to the outside. Austin gets up and takes the fight to Wyndham outside of the ring. Austin slams Wyndham's hand on the guardrail multiple times. And this is also part of the story is that Barry Wyndham has an injured hand. It's also wrapped up. He has protected covering on the hand. Yep. So good storytelling. People going after Austin and Wyndham going after the injured part of their opponent, which makes sense. Austin slams Wyndham's hand on the edge of the ring and the ring apron as well. and. Then he tries to unravel the tape, covering whatever it is. Austin slides back into the ring. Wyndham yanks Austin's foot from the outside, drags Austin to the corner, and then he slams Austin's injured leg into the corner post. Great spot. It's like, reminds me of Bret Hart and Austin. You know, Bret Hart would do that shit to Austin all the time. Uh, Barry Wyndham tears away at Austin's bandages and pounds away on Austin. Austin hobbles away, and Wyndham climbs into the ring, and he stalks Austin. I put emphasis in the notes of stalks because Barry Windham. He was the stalker. He became the stalker, right? Wait, he, wasn't he already the stalker? When he goes to WWF in uh, 96, he's the ah, stalker. Ah, okay. 
And he has like the face paint and yeah, no, that sucks. And then he at Survivor Series '96, he has the stupid ass WWF T-shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> when he's wrestling. <laughs> but anyway, he stalks Austin. Wyndham kicks a vulnerable Austin who's hanging on the ropes to stand. So Austin's just trying to survive, and that kick sends Austin flopping down to the mat. And man, we got good stuff here. Great stuff. You know, solid match already, and it's only been a few minutes. JR says that Wyndham is wild-eyed and has never seen anybody with this much intensity in their eyes. Ugh, that was oversaw on JR's part. Big time. <laughs> like, ever. Come on. <laughs> Huge. Um, yeah, a lot of hyperbole there. Austin has had no, no offense at this point. Austin's just getting his ass kicked. Barry Wyndham snapmares Austin in the middle of the ring, follows it up with an elbow drop on Austin's injured leg. Paul Lee looks like, shit, I'm about to lose TV champion here. So he looks frustrated outside the ring, as he should. Um, because you know, the story here is Austin's got no chance. No chance, that's what he's got. JR mentions it's it's been a tough night for it's been a tough night for Coach Rockney. Fucking give it up, JR. Football stuff gets annoying sometimes. <laughs> yeah, who the fuck is Coach Rockney? New uh, New Rockney. I don't think that is. Yeah, wasn't it like fucking Notre Dame or something? It's like no oh, college. I don't know college. Yeah, yeah, it was college. Yeah, it was Notre Notre Dame. Like in the nineteen forties. I I, I only how... watch professionals. <laughs> Not fucking kids. <laughs> so yeah, of course he's fucking bringing up some some old shit. I think. New Rockney, I might be wrong, but I'm gonna fucking just be wrong. But I think Ronald Reagan. Sound, was, Notre Dame sounds right. I guess. Ronald Reagan was in a movie about New Rockney, I think. Oh, really? That, that's where the whole the line came. Um, we're gonna win one for the Gipper. That's what his uh, his character said. Yeah, something like that. Uh, anyway. Gives it a rest, Jr. <laughs> Although, uh, you know, Jr. does bring up some good points, though, on commentary. He points out that Sting and the Steiner brothers are breathing down the neck of the Dangerous Alliance, and the Dangerous Alliance has been in a tough position as of late. And we've been talking about that all along here, covering Stunning Steve Austin and the Dangerous Alliance. Is that while the Dangerous Alliance is great on paper and the accolades are great, tag team champions, you got the TV champion, you got the U.S. champion. They get their ass kicked all the time. They yeah. they won the titles, but ever since they win the titles, they're just finding ways to hang on to the titles. Like they're almost losing every time until they come together as a group and fucking cheat and cause a DQ or something. You know? So yeah, they are in a tough position and Sting and the Steiner brothers are fucking sick of their bullshit. <laughs> they want to kick their ass. Which is Gonna be great because it's gonna lead to one of your favorite matches, JV. Gonna get to War Games. War Games. Nice. Gonna get to revisit War Games. We did a watch along of it at at one point a while back, but we're gonna revisit it and do it again. (laughs) All right, so we get uh, Barry Windham chopping the hell out of Austin in the corner. Wyndham whips Austin into the opposite corner, but Austin falls flat on his face in the middle of the ring. I love it because it just shows like Austin doesn't have the energy to run 
to the opposite yeah, side. That was just awesome. Falls right in the middle. Boom. Great job. That's fucking brilliant. That's so smart on Austin's part to just do that. So Austin gets up, and he gets up like he's he's um like the last girl in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Hey, I saw that in your notes, and when I watched, I was like, dude, nailed it, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> he's got all like, like he's you know he tripped, and no, uh, I gotta get up. Wigs and shit. And the stalker Barry Windham is coming after him like he's fucking Jason Voorhees. Um, <laughs> it's, it's perfect. <laughs> Uh, so Barry Windu uh, continues to attack Austin's leg. Paulie's distraught still. And uh, JR says, You might as well look, Paul, because it's about to be a reality. The television championship may be about to leave the Dangerous Alliance. And I wasn't trying to do a JR. I'm just fucking reading this time. <laughs> uh, television championship. Uh, it's about to leave the Dangerous Alliance, see? <laughs> New Rockney. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Paulie, how about that one for the Gipper? All right, anyway. That impression sucks so bad it works. It does. It does, yeah. <laughs> it works. It's supposed to suck. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Wyndham locks Austin. All right, let me straighten up here. All right, Wyndham locks Austin in the figure four leg lock. Um, now, I when I saw this, I was like, ah, oh, shit. He's doing the figure four because Ric Flair's gone. You know, Ric Flair's gone, so now Barry Wyndham can do the figure four. So... Ric Flair's gone at this point. He just became WWF champion at the Royal Rumble you know, days before this. So Austin is in pain, but Wyndham makes the dumbass move, grabs the middle ropes for extra leverage. Paulie is screaming, screaming like a banshee at ringside, just yelling. And we, we see that Paulie's on his phone, his fucking cordless phone that he needs to charge. And he's screaming. He says, Larry, Arn, help! So he's screaming for Dangerous Alliance members to come down. And <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of bowling, uh, when he said, uh, Larry, Arn, it just made me think of the Dangerous Alliance members as a as a whole group. So we got Larry, Arn, Steve, Bobby, Rick, and Pauly. I was like, this fucking sounds like a Saturday bowling league team. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Larry, Arn, Steve, Bobby, Rick, These men, they're polos. <laughs> yeah. So I figured, you know, their team, they're going to have their bowling shirts. You know, they would be <laughs> the Split Alliance. The Split oh. Alliance. <laughs> Jeez, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> anyway, Paul Lee jumps into the ring. He goes to hit Barry with the phone. Barry pushes him off. The ref calls for the bell. And now you get the DQ, which should have happened earlier. Like, when Barry Windham had the figure four on, and he was using the second ropes for leverage and not letting go. Pretty sure the ref should have called that a DQ at that point and yeah, the awarded the win. The DQ. Right. He should have awarded the match to Austin, but no, it took somebody running in to cause a DQ. A bullshit referee. And I think it was Pee Wee Anderson. So. Poor officiating, Pee Wee. Poor officiating, Pee Wee. Pee Wee. <laughs> What's his name? You know the guy's name. Francis. Francis, yeah. That's Francis from uh, Francis. Big Adventure. <laughs> That's my bike, Pee-wee. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I hated him as a kid. I fucking hated him. Fat piece of shit. Sorry. He did make a fucking convincible uh, John Wayne Gacy. I don't know if you ever saw him. No, yeah, he Gacy. did. He's good in that. <laughs> and he I like when he gets he looks that like black him. gum. He's like, thanks, Pee-wee. And he's chewing on the gum, and it's the trick gum. And he's oh, got yeah. all fucking black shit coming out of his mouth. <laughs> I don't know why. That, like, scarred me. 
Oh, that was a crazy movie. It's got that badass pool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, the refs can really make... Uh, yeah, so I've said this before, but hey, bring it up again. Refs sometimes just make things look like shit. They can make great matches, but then they can also make them look like shit. You know, and that's kind of what happened here. It's like, ah, this was a good match, and then it just ends shitty. And... I mean, it can't totally be their fault because they're probably not they're not booking the match. They're just following what they're supposed to do. But it looks bad. And the referees, you know, I don't know. Most people probably don't give a fuck. But since we watch it and we kind of critique it, this gets me to, like, shitting on the referees. Or otherwise, I probably wouldn't give a fuck. You know, if I was just watching and we didn't have a podcast, I probably wouldn't give a fuck about Earl Earl Hebner or anybody. But since we're reviewing it, you know, I oftentimes shit on them. But referees are kind of in a bad position because it is a thankless job. You know, they're they're the third guy in the ring, and people forget about them a lot of times. Like it's not you know in a singles match or a tag team match, they're they're the third or the fifth person in the ring that's a performer as well, and you know. They do have a job of you know being a good performer, but I think I uh, I criticize them too much sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to put that out there. I understand they're not all bad, <laughs> and they're just booked to do whatever they're fucking told to do. So anyway, at this point, Arn, Bobby, and Larry of the uh, the Split Alliance run into the ring and attack Wyndham. Who is not letting Austin out of the figure four leg lock? So, Wyndham's like, "Fuck you! I'm, I'm gonna fucking break your leg here." The Alliance finally puts Austin, pulls Austin away. Then Arn Anderson begins stomping away on Wyndham's injured hand. So good. All right, you want to go after my guy's leg? I'm gonna fucking stomp the shit out of your hand. Then we get the Steiner brothers come running in, and the Alliance literally splits this time. All right, I got to be done with that joke, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, hell of a title match, although I didn't really like the ending, because it's what we've been seeing, which is what we've been bitching about. Constant, about. Yeah. yeah, so, but it started off great, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of Austin and Wyndham over the course of the next few months, because uh, we are going to have some good stuff between the two of them involving the TV title. So, good shit. Wyndham was put over strong. Austin looks weak, as always, so nothing new. You know, he was injured, but still... That doesn't matter because he's always looking like shit. So, I mean, if you know, if he was getting over strong sometimes, then in this case he didn't because he was injured. That would make sense. But this is just the norm. He's ne- he's never really looking that good. So he cares about the injury. The shit would have happened even if he wasn't injured. So that's uh, that's kind of my only gripe about this match is the ending. So from there now, JV's going to cover another match from the same night. So JV, take it away. All right, thanks, Prue. So yeah, we're going to move on to WCW Power Hour from February 1st, 1992 in Washington, D.C. And we have a six-man tag team match. We get the team of Ricky Steamboat, the good guys. Dustin Rhodes, and Ron Simmons up against WCW TV champion Steve Austin 
And the WCW Tag Team Champions, Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton, representing the Dangerous Alliance. So this match kicks off with Eaton and Steamboat. And they kick it off here with a grapple. Um, they exchange some leap, leapfrogs. But Eaton gets the first big move of the night as he hits a huge neckbreaker. This was a, it was actually a pretty cool looking neckbreaker mm-hmm. on um, Steamboat. And then continues working on Steamboat's neck. So it looks like the emphasis is for Steamboat, they're going to work on his neck. So quickly, before Eaton can do any more damage, he decides to tag in a fresh Arn Anderson. Steamboat briefly gains some momentum after like a back kick, but Arn Anderson breaks for the corner, and before Steamboat can get going, he kind of huddles with Paulie dangerously to get some advice. So after a while, you don't you can't really tell what the fuck Paulie's telling him. He's just kind of like screaming. And, you know, he's kind of like trying to get his shit together. He's clearly flustered. So he heads back to the middle of the ring and he locks up with Steamboat. Um, and Arn Anderson does get control. He nails a nice little shoulder block on Steamboat and then a left hand. But Steamboat kind of brushes it off, quickly recovers. And then we get a martial arts kick, as JR calls it, <laughs> out of Steamboat. And then the remaining members, uh, Eaton and the fuck's the other guy? Anderson? Austin. Jesus Christ. Austin Anderson and Eaton? Yeah. yeah. They oh, kinda... you, gotta call, you gotta call them by their other names now. You got Steve, Bobby, and Arn. <laughs> yeah, Steve, Bobby, and Arn. So they cop in, and Steamboat clears the remaining em- interfering members of the Alliance with more martial arts move, which are like back fists and another kick and shit. And, you know, he's kind of flexing like he's Bruce Lee and stuff. Really selling the martial arts stuff. And yeah, everybody's, everybody's kung fu fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically. And JR continues to put over his martial arts acumen. Well, put over Steamboat's martial arts acumen. So next up, we get Ron Simmons. He gets tagged in. And he looks like the best in this match, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So he gets tagged oh. in and he dominates... Arn early on. He just overpowering him. And then he locks him up with like a waist lock. So he has him held tight. Kind of, you know, really sucking the breath out of him. Um, But before he kind of really do any significant damage, Eaton interferes and takes advantage of a ref who's distracted. I forget why the ref was distracted, but for whatever reason, the ref was like distracted by... What are the other uh, members? Steamboat, into the Steamboat ring? or Rhodes? Yeah, like I don't understand. And yeah, it's a it's a typical thing where one of the good guys comes in, and then the referee is like immediately yelling at them to get out of here. Yeah, get yeah, out of here. that's what it was. Yep. So Eaton takes advantage of that and kicks uh, Ron Simmons in the back, which you know causes Simmons to break the hold. But Ron Simmons is basically unfazed because he's a fucking beast. And he just double hit nails a double clothesline, and then clears the ring of the uh, of the alliance. So the alliance is back outside the ring. They're regrouping with Paulie Dangerously. Paulie Dangerously is flipping the fuck out, um, and he's basically on like a lifeline. So he's on his cell phone and he's bitching. You can't tell who he's bitching to, but then Jr. kind of fills us in that he's actually bitching to Medusa, who's mm-hmm. on the other line, who has some title. I forgot to write it down. She's like chief operating manager. 
Yeah, he said something like that. Yeah, she has some like official title. Yeah, first time I ever mentioned it. <laughs> but yeah. So finally, we get the man of the hour. We get Austin. And uh he's gonna square up with Dustin Rhodes here in the middle of the ring. But before things can really get going, the alliance interferes yet again. And now it's Rhodes' time to shine. And he cleans them all out with uh, clears them all out with some bionic elbows. And once again, the Alliance gets dominated, and they're outside the ring with Paulie Dangerously, who's throwing a massive temper tantrum. And basically, the Alliance right now is looking like a bunch of chumps. <laughs> but the crowd is loving it. I kind, I'm kind of entertained by it. It's like predictable as it is, but everything's kind of like flowing smoothly in my yeah, opinion. And I, and I like, love these baby faces too. It's interesting. Like it's fast paced. It's not slow. Like right. people tagging in and out. Um, so the crowd is loving watching the faces go over here. So eventually we get back in the ring here and Austin Rhodes square up. Austin overpowers Dustin Rhodes and smartfully does this in the Alliance's corner. And then he quickly tags in on Anderson. And after a brief advantage that Arn had, Rhodes hits a nice counter. He lands a pretty cool drop toe hold, you know, Patton, Dustin Rhodes move. Hits a drop toe hold. And then starts working on Anderson on the mat. And you can see that Arn Anderson is very frustrated. Um, but it kind of works back into the Alliance's corner. Um, so they double team him in the corner. Um, Rhodes kind of you know, gets back up and whatnot. But his momentum is stopped after Arn Anderson hits him with a nice eye rake. So right there, he, I, Arn Anderson eye rakes Dustin Rhodes. You know, he can't see. He's flustered. Arn Anderson tags in Austin. And then Austin starts stomping Rhodes in the corner. And then finishes it off. You know, throws him against the rope and finishes it off with a pretty pretty smooth flying back elbow. So Austin tags back in Arn Anderson. And Arn Anderson gets some payback on Dustin Rhodes with a very deliberate and effective knee drop to Dustin Rhodes' chest. Which if you know Arn Anderson, you know exactly what move I'm talking about. Oh, um so back in the corner, Rhodes tries to fight out, but Austin, but Eaton rather kills that momentum, and um, Arn Anderson tags Austin back in, and Rhodes sneakily lands an inside cradle for a f- extremely close two count. Austin then lands a lateral p- press for a quick fail to uh, pin attempt. Um. So Eaton gets tagged, tagged back then. He's backing with Rhodes. And at this point, it hits me. I'm like, you know, even though the Alliance kind of looks like chumps, they kind of look like the better tag team, like, I guess, team. And mm-hmm. that they're doing a great job, like, rotating fresh bodies in and out of this match. Well, look at the team you have. You got Eaton, Anderson, and Austin. Fucking great. Yeah, and it just, you know, they're, they're really, Bobby like... And- Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson are already two of the best tag team wrestlers yes. ever at that point. Yep. That's right. And then we know going forward that Austin's going to be great in the next year yep. as a tag team wrestler. So it can make sense. So it's just great to see, even though like you're not seeing a lot of big spots, the momentum of these guys tagging in and out and getting moves in, and then the baby faces kind of, you know, getting a big move in to kind of counter it, and it's enough to fluster the, you know, the alliance. It's, it's good wrestling. It's good wrestling. It's not the shit you really see a lot today. Yeah, it's much so, better than the shit we've seen in the past couple episodes with Van Hammer. Oh, yeah. 
At least we had good matches to watch this time. <laughs> so Eaton tosses Rhodes outside the ring. Arn starts beating on him, but Steamboat comes over to help. Um, the referee, Pee-wee, he has no control here. Eventually, order does get restored. And uh, we're back to Rhodes, who's kind of sounding like a, an arm, inj- arm, arm injury. An arm um, injury? Yeah. <laughs> an arm injury. That was a tough one with Arn Anderson <laughs> coming up next. So they're back in the ring. So Rhodes is down. Arn, Arn you know, kind of has the advantage. He attempts a knee drop on a pretty damaged Rhodes, but Steamboat jumps in the way of the knee and takes the knee drop himself. So Steamboat, being the great partner he is, knows that Rhodes is like fucked up and that, you know, if Arn would have landed that knee, probably would have won the match. Probably would have got the pin on that. So Steamboat jumps in and takes the hit. Arm then Arn Anderson then sets Rhodes up to kind of drive his head into Austin's knee. So Austin's in the corner. He's kind of got his knee through the middle rope. And um, Arn Anderson is going to, you know, take Rhodes by the head and slam against Austin's knee. But Rhodes counters it, which results in Arn Anderson taking the knee to the head instead, which was a great spot. So now you have both men down. You know what's coming up next. You know it's a race for the, for the fresh man, for the hot tag. Arn gets the tag first, and he gets Bob Eaton in there. But then immediately after, before Eaton can get to Rhodes, Rhodes tags in big-ass Ron Simmons. And Ron Simmons just comes in like a fucking, <laughs> like, outclasses everyone else in the ring <laughs> and just cleans house. Eventually, we get all six members end up in the ring, and we just have complete mayhem. So Eaton attempts a top-rope move. I don't know. I think he was going to attempt his finisher at the Alabama Jam. Yep. Um but Simmons catches him and oh, fuck. Yeah. lands a massive yeah. spine buster. Yeah, that's right. And hooks the leg for the three count and the win. So I'm glad Simmons got the victory here because he looks like the strongest wrestler of the six. He, know, he just looked it like I don't know if it was a good day for him or what, but he just yeah, looked like great. the guy you didn't want in the ring if he were the other team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like keep this guy out of here. So naturally the Lions are pissed off. Uh, but they got some help coming out. Larry Zabisco arrives from from the back. Arn DDTs Ron Simmons, which allows the Alliance to kind of, you know, start to do some damage. The Alliance starts stomping away on Steamboat. Uh, they actually hit him with a spike pile driver, followed by Ian hitting him with the Alabama jam. And then eventually, finally, the good guys get some help. Barry Windham shows up. He's got a two-by-four in hand. And everybody scatters. And then we cut to like a break. And that's it. So Wyndham kind of saves the day for the good guys. Um, this was a really good six-man tag. Yeah. You know, we might not good. have seen like a flip or a moonsault, you know, outside the ring or all that shit. But this was entertaining. Yeah, this was like a tag four, 14, 15-minute fucking six-man tag. And it felt like it was like five minutes. It's really yeah, good was, shit. Yeah, it was excellent. Yeah. I think both matches that we, we covered so far pretty We're solid. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked them. And then from there we got a um we don't have the we don't know the result of this, right, Mike? This is the one you said you couldn't find. Yeah. Yeah. And at first I didn't even realize it was on actual television. But it was. It was on WCW Power Hour. And it's Ricky Seamboat versus Steve Austin. So and like I said, I didn't know it was on T V when I first looked it up. So mm-hmm. I didn't bother like 
trying to find anything. It's just listed on the history WWE.com. It's just listed Ricky Simo versus TV champion Steve Austin. No result. But, uh, but we know the yeah. title doesn't change, Chance. Yeah, obviously the title <laughs> doesn't change. Uh, I, it's probably safe to assume there was some shenanigans, bullshit at the end of the match. <laughs> and everybody was just, you know, fighting everybody. Oh, you know. Steamboat, Dustin Rhodes, Ron Simmons, Barry Windham against the Alliance, probably some shit like that. But yeah, it was already too late to me for me to go ask uh, Richard if he had it. I was like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're going to move on now to our first watch-along of this episode. And we're going to be checking out WWE Main Event from February 16th, 1992. So we're going to jump ahead two weeks. You know, there's... That's it. There's Austin matches here on February 1st on Power Hour and World Championship Wrestling. And then he's not on TV until, well, that match on Power Hour. And then now here again on the 16th. And this match is going to be Rick Rude teaming up with Austin and Bobby Eaton to take on Sting, Ricky Steamboat. And on one of our new favorites, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. <laughs> our arm reach. Arm drag guy. <laughs> All right. So this is on YouTube. So if you did want to watch this and check it out, you can search WCW Main Event, February 20th, February 16th, 1992. And you'll be able to find that there. It's a, it's a full episode. And we're going to start it off at 1 minute 26 seconds. We've got about an 11-minute match here. So, I'm all set up. JV, you all set up? Uh, yep. Let me go to this tab. Yep. All right. So, I'll give a countdown. And if you're going to watch along with us, and like I said, go find that video. Pause us now and go check that out. Find it. And then I'll give the countdown. Three down to one. And I'll say play. And I say play. We all click play and check this match out. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Play. All right, so we get right into tag. it. Big six-man tag. Another, another six-man tag. JV just covered one, and here's another one. But this time we get Rick Rude instead of Arn Anderson. And on the other side, what's the difference on the other side? We have uh, Sting now, Bagwell. Yeah. Coach Newt Rockney is in there. <laughs> Paulie talking to his guys, and uh, looks like Rick Rude's gonna start off the match. We got Rude and Steamboat. Looks like the referee is Nick Patrick, Kenny Powers. <laughs> it is Kenny Powers. Look at that mullet. <laughs> Oh, Steamboat did that lame ass thing that I talked about a couple weeks ago. A couple episodes ago. When um Steamboat avoids Rude but then does it like a double punch to uh Austin and and Eaton. Kind of a heel move. It it feels like the same exact match. <laughs> but we know it lesser you know, talent. Yeah. Mostly, but, well, better talent. Just Bagwell yeah. kind of brings it down. 
We know this time they they would repeat spots. They they're filming so many different episodes. That of course, Ricky Steamboat's going to do the same shit at the beginning of each match. That was a heel move, and Ricky's acting like a heel right now, as he's got this wrist lock on Rick Rude, and he's taunting him, like, "Oh, is that her? Is that her?" Now Rick Rude says, "Fuck you!" Forearms to the face. We got Tony Schiavone on commentary this time, which is a nice change. I love Tony on commentary. Me too. I really, really like Tony Schiavone. Always have. Yep. He's great. Look at fucking Steamboat taunting Rick Rude. Just gave Rude an atomic drop, so Rude's like, you know, bending over. Oh, my ass hurts. And Steamboat's making fun of him. Ooh, your ass hurts. Man, I haven't seen Steamboat be heelish babyface like this. <laughs> it's annoying. Doesn't fit him. No, it doesn't at all. Has he ever been a heel? He's never been a heel. Nope. It's like the ultimate good guy. We have Bagwell in here now. And Bagwell's in the Alliance corner getting his ass double teamed. And he's in there now with Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton is just slamming Bagwell's head from corner to corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a cartoon. Oh, but now he gets momentum. Power slam to Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton ends up in the good guy's corner and stinging. Stinging Steamboat, rather. Just, uh, slapped the fuck out of Bobby Eaton. Now Bobby Eaton's dazed. He's in his, his corner. He wants to get out of there. That good point Tony just brings up. When you're in trouble, retreat to your corner. Bagwell, not experienced enough to know that you need to avoid <laughs> your opponent getting to the other corner. <laughs> Maybe try to stop him. Now I think... Oof, now he's yeah. in their corner. Now they uh, better look at the referee. I don't think that's Nick Patrick. I think that's the fake Nick Patrick. Yeah, it's the other guy that looks like Nick Patrick. Yeah. I don't remember his name. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a, a guy from 1992 with a mullet and a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Every referee yeah, is just trying to the be way like Austin sells that. He gets yeah, and it's like yeah, flails his ball. arms. And we got Austin and Sting in the ring. I'm gonna say it's like uh, Nick Patrick, this, whoever this guy, whatever his name is. They were going for like Jake Roberts look, <laughs> which I guess is the look of the late '80s, early '90s. <laughs> Sting, going out. Oh no. Eaton and Austin get the better of Sting. Oh, he does. No, but no, Sting comes oh, back. Oh, shit. Yeah. Didn't get the double, though. No, didn't get the double clothesline, but come Austin and Eaton down to the mat. Both of those guys take a powder and head outside the ring. Rick Rude doesn't want to get in. Yeah, you can see Rude's like, fuck you, I'm not fighting you, Sting. 
which is hyping up the crowd because they want to see it. Eaton and Paul E acting like they're holding Rude back, trying to save him some face. Paulie's like, no, don't get in there. Don't get in there with Sting. Don't give him the time of day. Sting's like, come on. You want me? Come on. Crowd loves it. Don't fucking Sting. Where is this? This is in... Did we say where this show was? Oh, this is in Atlanta, Georgia. So Atlanta. Yeah, center stage. Center stage. Right? Yep. Yep. And WCW at this time is a big fan of like six man and eight man tag team yeah. matches. Good old talent in the ring. Yeah. Let's just have a shit show in the ring. What? So far they do kind of do them well. Yeah, and this is fine. This is star heavy too, so you can't complain. Like I was saying before, at least we don't have fucking Van Hammer this time. I mean, the only thing that sucks here is Bagwell. Which we got, we, we got to be on the lookout. I don't, I don't think he did an arm drag yet. No. An arm bar. What was it, an arm bar? Suplex, back body drop. Is that what it was, JV? Arm bar? Arm bar, arm, arm bar. bar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, arm bar. Not arm drag. I'm sure there was plenty of arm drags, too. <laughs> I think it was like arm bar, arm bar, arm bar, right punch. A hip, no, a hip toss, I hip think. Hip toss, yeah. Oh, there's that backbreaker that you were talking about from the last match. Did it again to Steamboat, Bobby Eaton. Oh, another one. Back to back backbreakers from Eaton to Steamboat. Yes, that's right. Tony just mentioned it. We're on our way to Super Brawl, pay-per-view of February. Super Brawl 2, which, man, that's a damn good pay-per-view. Great opening match on Super Brawl 2. Brian Pillman versus Juice and Thunder Liger. Fucking awesome. Which is also the first match on uh, Nitro. Say Brian Pillman? Yeah, Brian Pillman. No shit. Versus Liger. Awesome, man. It's awesome. It's 1992 and that match is happening. And it's like quality like we've seen with uh, Rey Mysterio versus... Psychosis in ECW that we covered recently oh, in 95. Damn. Late 95. Going to the top. Ravishing. Oh, ravishing, taunting. Taunting Sting. A little gyration. This match is so similar to a match we've already covered. <laughs> like all the spots are the same. It feels, yeah. <laughs> It does repeating shit. Yeah, well, yeah. But that spot with Rude where he comes down with the single axe handle and then does the hip thrust, uh, you know, his little move in front of Sting on the ring apron. Mm-hmm. Again, that's just a product of having to do so many matches that you don't even know which ones are going to be yeah. <laughs> airing when they air and... Just like, let's just do what worked last time. Yeah, let's yeah. just do the same shit. <laughs> or thinking about us in the future. I think, I think Austin's good about trying to do different things every time, though. Yes. He's not oh, he's formulaic kind of at this point. It. He's like still inventing himself. Right. Still trying to prove he like belongs. 
Yeah. Right, where somebody like Rude is like, I've been through all this shit before. I'm just doing what's yeah. work. You know? That's the veteran thing. Hey, I'm doing what works for me. Instead of trying to learn some new tricks. Which is fine when you're that good. But sticks out. Alright, so what we got here is an Alabama jam, which we've seen before. Referee's tied up. Eaton hits an Alabama jam on Marcus Bagwell, who was covering Austin. So after that Alabama jam, Bobby Eaton just takes Austin and covers him over Bagwell, and you get the one, two, three. What I'm happy about here, though, is that Austin actually got a pin over Bagwell. <laughs> yeah, for real. But the shitty part is he was about to lose to Bagwell if it wasn't for Eaton. So... Austin still kind of looks like shit because if not for Eaton, he would have lost the fucking Bagwell. Waymo. Alright, so we got a little ad here. Super Brawl 2, February 29th. We'll get to that a little later. Alright, with that said, we're going to take a quick little break as we head into the second half of our episode covering February 1992. We are going to have some house show coverage to go through and then one more big watch along. It'll be Super Brawl 2, February 29th, 1992. We're going to get a tag team match. Steve Austin teaming up with a different partner this time. Larry Legend, Larry Zabisco, taking on Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham. So that'll be at Super Brawl 2, and we'll get to that after the break. We'll be right back. All right, we're back now, so let's get into some of this house show coverage. Uh, the first show that we're going to recap here is actually from the night before the previous episode that we just watched along, which was uh, February 16th. This house show was February 15th in Baltimore, Maryland, and you had a crowd of 3,400 people. You had Ricky Steamboat, Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes taking on Rick Rude, Steve Austin, and Arn Anderson in another combination. It seems like that's the thing going on here, is the combination of these baby faces and Dangerous Alliance guys going at it. And what we had in this match was Steamboat Wyndham Rhodes getting the victory, of course. Um, but you had some you know, interesting stuff happen here in this match. You had... Um, Paulie Dangerously got bull-roped got tied up at ringside and uh, Larry Zabisco <laughs> runs in at the end he interferes um, Arn Anderson gets hit with a cowbell imagine being bull roped what <laughs> shit that sucks yeah. that put me in a bummer for a while yeah well not only that so Paulie's also he's bull roped to Dusty Rhodes Dusty Rhodes is there Oh. <laughs> yeah, if you will. yeah, if you will. In public. <laughs> He's in public, <laughs> if, if you will. <laughs> Pull up, baby, if you will. I'm going to tie to Paulie. All right, so yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a good attraction, though, to have you know, yeah. at, that, at that Baltimore show. And then the next night, there's another attraction match. On February 16th at Norfolk Scope in Virginia, you have Sting, Steamboat, Dustin Rhodes 
And now Ron Simmons joining the team to take on Dangerous Lions members Rick, Steve, Bobby, and Arn. Almost all of them. And this is in a steel cage. So the baby faces prevail again when Steamboat pins Bobby Eaton in the steel cage. And they had uh, 2,400 people there in Norfolk. And then we go to Dallas, another big show. Well, not really, but it should be. It's Reunion Arena. And uh, business not too good there in Dallas. You got 800 people in attendance. <laughs> wow. How many does it hold? From, I don't know exactly, but... Uh, man, 800. What the fuck's 800? It's nothing. Not a lot. Maybe. All right, let me, let me do a quick little check and see if we can get... Union Arena. What's it fit? I'll take a look. Oh, dude, it can fit thousands in that fucking place. Yeah. Primary home of Dallas Stars, Dallas Mavericks. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah. Shit. They had a little rinky dink wrestling show there. <laughs> Yeah, this is a fucking big time. That's why I thought, that's why I said, oh, it's a big show, because I saw the name of the place, and it was like, oh, 800 people. What'd they fucking do? Section off a little corner of the place? <laughs> Have the fucking little rinky dink wrestling show? <laughs> All right. So, anyway, there might be more to that story, but oh well. Sting and uh, Steamboat defeat Rick Rude and Steve Austin at Reunion Arena. Steamboat pins Austin after Barry Windham hit Austin with Paulie Dangerously's cell phone, or cordless phone. Um, after that, you get Medusa running in, along with Larry Zabisco. And, similar to the bull rope situation that they had a few days before, we have Barry Windham handcuffed to Paulie Dangerously. So, instead of a bull rope, we got handcuffs this time. It's Windham and Dangerously. And Windham was actually a replacement for who was supposed to be handcuffed to Pauly Dangerously. And this doesn't make much sense at all to me, based on what we've seen over the past few months with this feud and who's involved in this feud. You know, Wyndham makes sense, right? Wyndham's been involved in this. He's come out, yes. makes the saves. He has fucking Hacksaw 2x4. And <laughs> but the person that he replaced that was supposed to be handcuffed to Pauly Dangerously was fucking Elegante. Ugh. What the hell's he gonna do with this shit? Like they just wanted a really big guy. Yeah, maybe is what I'm guessing. Yeah, an attraction. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's probably what it was. But El Gigante, he, and I think this is the reason why he was subbed out. Is at this time he he lost one of his parents, so he he went back to Argentina during this time in February of 1992. <laughs> All right, so from there now, we're going to get some repeat matches on this loop from February 22nd through the 25th. So four nights in a row, you're going to get Sting and Steamboat beating Rick Rude and Austin in tag team matches. And these these matches happen on February 22nd in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the 23rd in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, Greenville, South Carolina on February 24th, Macon, Georgia on February 25th. The largest of all those shows being Chattanooga, Tennessee, with 3,100 people. Then that leads us now into Super Brawl 2, February 29th, 1992. So 
So this is a leap year day, February 29th here. In Milwaukee, as Alice Cooper says in Wayne's World, Milwaukee, which is Algonquin for the good land. You remember that, JV? (laughs) Alice Cooper in (laughs) Wayne's World. (laughs) No, I don't. It's funny. Milwaukee. So they're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 5,000 people in attendance at Super Brawl 2. It is a really good show. Uh, I I would recommend it. So if you're going to check this match out that we're about to watch, check out the whole show. It's pretty good. There is some kind of crap on there, but it's crap that's fun. It's fun to just look at. Oh, look how stupid this shit is. <laughs> like Van Hammer and Vinny Vegas going at it. <laughs> wow. The tag team match. Oh, uh, yeah. So, this good stuff, like I said earlier, you had Brian Pillman, Jushin Thunder Liger, you get Sting taking on Lex Luger, and I'll go over some of the things that pertain to the Dangerous Alliance after we cover the match, or during or during the match. Alright, so like I said, we got Austin and Larry Zabisco of the Dangerous Alliance, Larry and Steve taking on Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham, and this match is going to kick off at 1 hour, 8 minute mark. Two seconds, one hour, eight minutes, two seconds. And we're using the Peacock version. So if you have Peacock and JV, was there an ad right before the match? Usually, no. right? No, there wasn't. Hopefully, you don't get fucking. Oh, no, there was. Ad. Yeah, yeah, no, there was. There was. There was. There was. It was 20. It was like a 30 second one. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, you Top probably mind, have yeah. the ad. Yeah. So if you're going to watch along with us, bang that ad out and then join us for our countdown. All right, JV, you're all set and ready to go, right? Yes, sir. All right, so again, one hour, eight minutes, two seconds. You should see either a crowd shot or a faded shot. JV, what do you have? Do you have the faded shot with... um? It's like fading out. Eric yeah. Bischoff, is that who it was? Yeah. All right, so yeah, you either have a fade out of Eric and Tony leading to the, the arena shot, depending on what millisecond you're on. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, play. All right, so here we are. Super Brawl 2. All right, we got Larry heading out. I like Larry LaVisco. Austin. Yeah. I like him. Solid. No, he's great on commentary. The only thing that sucks about Larry on commentary is the constant uh, during the NWO time. The New World Order. Order. Like, that was his go-to joke. Well, he had no business being in that. No, oh, no. I meant on commentary. On commentary. No, that's yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah, in yeah, On yeah. commentary, making fun that's of the NWO. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yep. The New World Order. I like how he was always against the NWO, though. Constantly. Fuck them. He never ends up joining them? No. Nope. I thought he did briefly, but I thought everyone did. Hey, look at Medusa, man. That was just a rite of passage. Medusa looks great. Alright, so we got JR, but who else on commentary? Jesse the Body. This is his first pay-per-view. Last episode, we had Jesse make his debut at Clash of the Champions for one match, which we covered. But here, he's on the full Super Brawl 2. And that's another great reason to watch this pay-per-view is that it's Jesse's return to commentary since 1990 here in 92. 
And it's funny to hear JR be all pissy about Ventura being on his team. I think Jim Ross is kind of not intimidated, but like, fuck this guy. Why are they bringing him in? I'm the, I'm the yeah. man here. All right, and the action kicks off hot and heavy. The two big boys, Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham, man. What a team. Dude, yeah, they're big bastards. I always Huge. forget how big Windham is until you see him. Yeah. I always forget how big Dustin Rhodes is. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Dustin? No. Or Windham? Um, Windham. Windham, no. I, mm, I'm going to say no off the top of my head. I don't wow. think he's in. I don't think he's in as a... Or horseman. Let's see. I'll look it up. Cause we'll have fucking somebody. Ah, you're wrong again, motherfuckers. <laughs> he should be in though, right? I mean, I and he might he... not be in now, but. Uh oh, he. Oh. Yeah, he. Okay, so he did go in as the four horsemen, which is what I thought, cause they just clumped them all together. So, yeah, he's in. He's a full horseman. Remember. Yep. I was thinking more as like an individual. Yeah, not as an individual. I think it makes sense that he's just in there with the full horseman, though. Slow it down. That's to their advantage. And Jesse Ventura. Jesse speaking truths. Yeah. It's good advice. Dustin and Barry got matching boots. The big Texan from Sweetwater. Steve Austin rocking the uh, traditional Trapper Keeper tights. Larry Zabisco's got fucking diaper trunks on. <laughs> Always. <laughs> like, uh, it's like old man trunks. They go halfway up your chest. Because he's just trying to cover the lower part of his stomach. So you just fucking raise those suckers up like Urkel. Look how small Zabisco is compared to Wyndham. Holy moly. Man, they loved utilizing that ramp at ringside back in the day. Every match, something would happen on the ramp. I like that setup. I do. I do like it, too. And why not use it if you had it there? Yeah. I like... Oh, nice lariat. Oh, nice lariat. I was going to say, I like the ramp, though, because it puts you know, the wrestlers above the crowd and makes them look like stars. Yeah. Now we're here to watch you. We're looking up to you. Same thing with in the ring. The ring's higher than the crowd for the most part. You know, the, you know, the lower part, obviously. But. Solid match. This match is going to get rated as one of the best matches on the show. Obviously not going to be rated higher than Pillman versus Jushin Thunder Liger. What's well, the main event for this one? Main event is Sting versus Luger for the championship. Oh, okay. 
A big match that's been being built up for a while. All the way back to Starcade, remember, JV, with the uh, the Battle Bowl? Yep. Sting and Luger, the final two. Yeah, we were talking about how Flair had just left, right? Yeah. Yep. So you have Luger as the champion. Sting earned the shot. And he's going to go for it tonight here, February 29th, 1992. Good teamwork between Rhodes and Wyndham here. Nice gut wrench. Oh. One, two, two. All right, kicks out. Can Austin just cut his hair already? I'm sick of looking at Vigor to Carpathia. That's right. They're both both their fathers wrestled. Wyndham and Rhodes. Yep. Well, obviously Rhodes are no Wyndham. I yeah. forgot Blackjack Mulligan, right? Yeah. Because he's Bray and Bo's uncle? Blackjack Mulligan? No, Barry Windham. Oh, Barry Windham. Because their dad is Mike Rotunda. Yeah, so... Right? Or is it vice versa? Mike Rotunda's the uncle and Barry Windham's their dad. Mike Rotunda is the Wyatt's... Bowen, Bray and Bo's dad. Okay, alright, so I was right. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Blackjack Mulligan is the grandfather of Bray Wyatt and Bo right. Dallas. And then Wyndham, Barry Wyndham's an uncle or something. Um, yeah. Right. Mike Rotunda yeah. married, like, the uncle. sister. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Barry is the son of Blackjack Mulligan. Rotunda wow. married the sister. That one right. Yeah, he got it. <laughs> he nailed it. <laughs> Fucking tangled web though with that family. <laughs> I guess it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> Fucking IRS. Barry oh, Wyndham. Shit, he went flying. <laughs> Bro, you went flying. That's one of the teams that gets forgotten about sometimes in w in early WWF history is the the US Express Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda. Oh yeah, they were tag team champions. And it's weird to think that you know years later, you know Mike Rotunda is this tag team champion, the US Express, and then he just becomes this IRS. <laughs> Well, he was in a tag team, Money Inc. Yeah, Money Inc. After, yeah. You know, for me watching that at that time, I didn't know Mike Rotunda. I just, well, I knew Mike Rotunda from WCW, but not being in WWF prior and then coming back and being IRS. And I've said it before, but he had the best move set in WCW wrestling for Nintendo. <laughs> Flying me. He's the only one with that broken ass move. Oh yeah, the hitbox was insane. Yeah, he. That's an underrated move. Like he he used that a lot as IRS, whip the guy into the ropes, and then as they come back, Logan just fucking up. knee him in the gut, and they flip over. It's a good spot. I like it. Medusa's got a hair nice. to kick out. 
Tiffy's no selling me on Medusa this week. Who, <laughs> <laughs> me? Yeah. She looks good, man. Yeah, she does. I I always thought she was pretty hot. The only time she's not hot was when she was a Lundra Blaze. Yeah, no, you're right. Know. You're absolutely I don't know what right. happened. Something about it. Like, I think it was the gear. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, she wasn't appealing. And the name sucked, too, I guess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, JR. You're going to talk about football randomly right now? Bro, we know it. We get it. Wrestling was your second choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with me? I could have been <laughs> could have been John Madden. <laughs> instead of instead of Jim Ross football as JR barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing this, when I was watching Super Brawl, this this stood out to me. In the opening when JR introduces the crowd to Jesse Ventura making his pay per view debut. Jesse Ventura says something that shocked me. He goes, you know what, JR? He said, no, Jim Ross, you look like J.R. Ewing. If only you had a cowboy hat on. You look like J.R. Ewing from Dallas. Then he starts wearing one. Yeah, well, then Vince McMahon makes him wear one because he probably thought the same thing. Like, ah, oh, yeah, you look <laughs> like this guy. guy fucking wear the hat. <laughs> that became his freaking staple. And Jesse Ventura... Says it right away. Boom. You got to put a cowboy hat on. <laughs> oh, Dustin Rhodes' house of fire right now. Oh, what a standing drop kick. Dustin Rhodes is awesome. Nice elbow drop coming. Boom. One, two. All right, we got Nick Patrick. With no mustache, no mullet either in this match. What kind of sneakers are those, JV, that Nick Patrick has on? I can't tell. They look like high-top Air Forces. Yeah, I was going to say, they look fucking pretty cool for a referee. Oh, Austin going for a roll-up. Dustin. Oh, shit. What a spot. Austin just nailed the hell out of Austin with a close uh, with Dustin. Austin just nailed Dustin with a clothesline and sent him spinning in the air. Wow. Now, there is no control really of the tag teams in this match right now. Zero. It's like the it's fine. There's a legal. There's two legal guys in the ring, but it's like constantly some bullshit going on outside with the other partners. Yeah, it's like two <laughs> matches going on. Right. There's never, or has rarely been, guys just hanging on the ring apron. <laughs> like the guys getting tagged out of the ring into the new match. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesse Ventura already stirring up shit. He's pissed at the officials. Yeah, 
Yeah, they're definitely Nikes that Patrick has on. Yeah, I can't really tell. Can't get a good. I'm pretty sure they're. Oh no, maybe they're, they're just playing. No, they're just playing. I like a generic basketball. I thought I saw shirt. more white. They're mid top. No, it has a strap. It has it has like that Air Force One strap at the top. Yeah, because the that Velcro strap. Strap. Yeah. Oh, do they? Medusa would have slapped to Dustin Rhodes' face. What an insult. Yeah, they got to be Air Force Ones. The, like, the mids. Dustin Rhodes going after. Oh! Dustin was going for Medusa, but Austin came up and said, eh, eh. <laughs> I have <clears throat> Had to bring that one back. It's not bottom line wrestling cast without an eh, eh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> oh, Medusa's character has been questioned before. What are you saying, JR? What are you really saying? I know what you're saying. Lateral press cover. Not quite. That wasn't. That's not a lateral press. That was a fucking just a lazy-ass cover. JR always likes to call a cover a lateral press. Lateral press, he's got... It, it can be a pin attempt, but you got to be holding down the arm. In a lateral position. <laughs> I, 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 like, I, I like to say lateral press. Lateral sounds players. sounds better than pinfall. Now, what are we doing? Are we wrestling? JR's just going to be known from this point on to me as being the cranky ass old JR. <laughs> <laughs> I love JR. Anyway, just point that out. <laughs> Yeah, the football shit does get a nine. But I get what he's doing. He's trying to, like, bring some, like, I don't know, like, authenticity of, like, these guys are athletes. Like, these are real legit guys, you know. And this is real sports, you know. You're going to and bring up as many comparisons to football and sports as he can. Yeah, that's true. That's That's a great point. It's, like, legitimized. Yes. Yeah, that's a better word than authenticate. Authentic what the fuck I said? <laughs> what a nickname for Larry Zabisco at this time. The Cruncher. That fucking name sucks. Yeah, the Cruncher. Number Crunchers. <laughs> Number Munchies? <laughs> Number Munchers. That's what I was thinking. Number Munchers? Yeah. Munch is it munchers or munchies? Munchers. Oh, I think I, I think I, my dumbass always called it number munchies. <laughs> I believe it. I seen your grades. <laughs> Stop talking about elementary, and middle <laughs> yeah. school. Yeah. I'm great. I saw your grades before you got smart. <laughs> Not got smart before you took it seriously. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while. It took me a while. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I'm going to give this school thing a try. Yeah. Let me give it a, yeah, let me give it the old try here. I think I was just hanging around dumbasses too much. <laughs> yeah. Josh. See my report card, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even carry his books. Oh. I never had my books. Oh, it's not too bad getting good grades. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was hard. Well, I mean, you did fine, but I'm going to say, the middle school we went to, it was fucking hard to do good in that school. <laughs> well, yeah, it was. It got hard for me in eighth grade because it was like, I was in 8A. It was supposed to be like the college class. Yeah. We had all the punks. We were like an embarrassment to the school. <laughs> we were the only class that didn't get to go on like the, the big the trip trip in eighth grade. Like every year, actually. It was like seventh and eighth grade was awful. It's like, get these kids out of the class. Why the fuck did you put them in this? Yeah, but they were all smart. They were. They No, they they, they were. They Smart punks. assholes. Yeah. Punks. That's generally the case. A lot of the smartest kids are the, the assholes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what a punch from Dustin to Larry Zabisco. I think we're getting to the finish here. Big right hand. Big right hand. Big right hand. Woo! I like how he's using the heavily taped right. Yeah, fuck it. He's a good wrestler. This guy never got his due. You know, oh. I, I think it's because he didn't take his, his, his. He didn't take it seriously after. His his physical appearance seriously. That is a big knock on him. And people have often said that. Is that he had such great natural ability that he knew he could perform well. So he. It was kind of like he was taking a shortcut. Like, yeah, I don't have to do the working out shit because I'm good. Yeah, yep. and that kind of pisses people off when you have the talent and you don't put the work in. Yep. He's like, I can get by on doing what I'm doing. Like that but, guy Walter in WWF. Yeah. He fucking, well, he made in. the initiative. Though. Yeah, yeah, that guy put the work in. Yeah, he looks awesome. And nice he's move. still and awesome. Win. Wrestling wise. Yeah, that was a good match, man. Hell of a match at Super Brawl 2 here. Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes just getting a clean victory. I like how there's no bullshit. It was just a fucking win. No bullshit here. Yeah, I would say you're at this point in the dangerous line. Yeah, you're getting the the shitty the shitty two guys. <laughs> Larry Zabisco is at the bottom, I think, of the group, and then Austin's just above him. Yeah, he's like and, sunsetting out of wrestling. Yeah, then you got Bobby Arn and Rude. Oh, those are the top three. All right. All right. So, fun match. Good shit there. Uh, like I said, I want to go over some of the things that were going on that night with Hit Dangerous Hines. Actually, no. Let me just uh, go through a recap here of uh, what was written in The Observer, because they, they like this match, The Wrestling Observer. Uh, and, and we'll rate it, too. So... Let me just read the recap first, and then we'll uh, give a little rating. 
All right, so this is what Meltzer wrote. Uh, Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes beat Larry Zbysko and Steve Austin in 18 minutes, 21 seconds. This was a tremendous match with good brawling back and forth. Austin Simon is just incredible considering his experience. They got heat on Wyndham in the early portion, then heat on Rhodes later. Wyndham made the hot tag and came in and went for a superplex, but Zabisco shoved him off. Rhodes shoved Zabisco off the top rope, and Wyndham pinned him with a flying lariat. How many stars do you give it, JV? Uh, three and a half. Yeah, that's that's where I'm sitting, too. Three and, three and a half. half. Maybe three yeah. and three quarters, but three and a half, definitely. All right, yeah, so... Dave Meltzer agreed. He uh, he he put three and three quarters. Oh wow! No shit. It's kind of leaning that way actually. Yeah. Because like we give three and a half out a lot, and this was better than. Yeah, it like, deserved a little bit better than three yeah. and a half. Right, and like I said, I I like just the clean finish. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the Dangerous Alliance lost, but they always fucking lose. But at least let them lose clean. Yeah. Without some bullshit going on. DQ. Or, you know, getting their ass beat, but there's no real winner. In this case, yeah, they lost. That's it. They fucking lost. Hello, who? Is that her? <laughs> All right, so also in other Dangerous Alliance news, you had Arn Anderson and Bobby Ian retain the tag team titles against the Steiners. So the Steiners didn't get the upper hand on them. And you had Rick Rude retain the U.S. Championship against Ricky Steamboat as well at Super Brawl 2. So, man, this card, JV, Super Brawl 2, good shit there. Those two matches, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton versus the Steiners, Rick Rude versus Ricky Steamboat, the match we just watched, Brian Pillman versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Then in the main event, you have Sting win the championship from Lex Luger. Um, After the show, they had a press conference, you know, a fake fake bullshit press conference. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry. I know. I understand wrestling, Mike. (laughs) I know, but... <laughs> no, I was I was gonna oh, continue really? on. Was I was gonna continue real? on. Oh, say you know the bullshit press conference that they never have, uh-huh. and then they only have it when it's time to do an angle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like it's a normal thing where True. it's like you know. So the, the, it sticks out, you know, like a sore thumb. Like oh, we're having a press conference. What the fuck are you having a press conference for? Some bullshit's gonna happen. That's why. <laughs> so. In this press conference, the Dangerous Alliance attacks Sting, and then Nikita Koloff comes in, and he's been a heel for a long time. You know, he's back, and he's going to make the save. He's going to help Sting. Whoa. So Nikita Koloff becomes babyface. So like I said, we're on our path back you know, to Wrestle War and to the War Games. And we know Koloff is in that match, and here it is. Koloff makes his uh, babyface turn here and helps out Sting to fight off the Dangerous Alliance at this press conference. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I did pause there, though, so it was easy for you to sneak in there yeah, and get that. <laughs> kind of set me up. Set yourself up. <laughs> Alright, so that was the Dangerous Alliance and Super Brawl 2. Um, just another little bit of news before we wrap things up. Also in the Wrestling Observer from the February 24th, 1992 edition, this little note I thought was eh, notable. That's why it's a note, notable. Um, lots of news regarding personnel. Dustin Rhodes, Steve Austin, and Brian Pillman all signed two-year contracts. 
these contracts have a base salary plus incentives. I believe both Rhodes and Austin signed for bases of $165,000 and $190,000. So Rhodes would have got one sixty-five, Austin got one ninety, with incentives that will push that total up from there. Hey, that's fucking good money. Yeah, you no know? shit. Yeah, I mean they got to pay all their expenses and travel and shit, but mm, so but yeah, that's a fucking lot of number for 1992. Fuck yeah! So he gets it. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll pay all my expenses, <laughs> and everything's cheaper then. Right. Yeah. Hey, you don't have to stay at great places. You fucking all you're doing is going to bed. Yeah, I'm a fucking no. jacked wrestler. I'm gonna go fucking sleep at the cheapest place. <laughs> all right. <laughs> And usually sleep with your other jacked, badass friends. Right. You fucking share the room, too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was 92, so they had their contracts to 94. We know, you know these three guys, Rhodes, Austin, Pillman, they're all gone in 96. Well, in 95. Well, Dustin Rhodes gets fired. Pillman does, like, his... Oh, all these guys get let go. Dustin Rhodes gets fired because of uh, Uncensored 95, where he gets busted open in a match where they said there should be no blood. So he got fired. That fucking trailer match on the highway at Uncensored. Uh, Steve Austin got let go because he was injured and wasn't fucking helping out or whatever. So they let him go in 95, which would have been before his contract was up. Same with Dustin Rhodes. And Brian Pillman... You know, worked the thing with Eric Bischoff where he wiggled his way out of working for WCW and set <laughs> set Bischoff up to, hey, let me go. I'll be back once I'm uh, more popular. <laughs> so all these guys getting these deals in 92, they get extended again in 94. But then after that, they're all let go. By the time they're about to peak, they get let go when they're about to be stars. That's crazy. They all become more popular yeah, once they let go up. from there. <laughs> you know, and these are people that they've invested in, obviously. They, they're going to spend this money on them in 92, and then again in 94, and then say, fuck it. You know, it, it's so wild. You know, it, I was thinking of this. It's like, all right, in 96, you know, NWO comes. WWE is getting the guys from WWF, and that helps them out, right? That helps NWO, and then even even with just having familiar faces in WCW that were former WWF guys, helps them out. So they're taking all that. But it's almost like there was a trade made. WWF, you know, who's faltering around 92, 93, not doing great. It's like they gave up their big saws, and in return, you know, I know it wasn't worked out like this, but in return, they get the young stars of WCW and use them to be the next generation of WWF. Yeah. <laughs> that was the WWF trade-off. Yeah. It's like, okay, you have our big stars. We're going to suck for a little bit. But we're going to take the talent that you don't want to pay anymore because you want to pay all these old people, these old stars, them. and we're going to turn them into stars like Mick Foley and Dustin Rhodes and Austin and so forth. Like, that, that was smart. It's It's like if you, you know, you know, fantasy baseball is on my mind lately because it's coming up and I'm in a league oh, yeah. where I'm making some trades and shit. You know, it's it's basically like in a dynasty league or something, a fantasy league where 
you have long-term players. Mm-hmm. You get rid of some of your older guys to get some younger ones, and you might not win this year or next year, but in a few years, you're going to be set up to have like three, four good years in a row. Cause, success, yeah. Right, overall. And it's almost like that's what was going on here. All right, yeah, you can have our, have our other guys, and we'll just pick up the, your, your trash that you're... Uh, that you're not valuing right anymore. <laughs> Trash. So anyway, just I just thought I'd bring that up. Okay, so that'll wrap things up. JV, anything to say before we get to the bottom line wrap-up? Nope, I got nothing. All right, so we're going to head to the bottom line wrap-up. Take a listen to Alex Dorio as he talks about his great podcast, Talking Taker. Take a listen to that, and we'll be right back. Bottom line cast listeners, this is Alex Dorio, one half of the Talking Taker podcast. And after nearly 200 episodes exploring every pay-per-view match of The Undertaker's career, along with my co-host Travis White, we just couldn't let the podcast rest in peace. So join us now on the first of every month as we dig even deeper into the legacy of the newest member of the WWE Hall of Fame. From unearthing some rare and unreleased hidden gems to exploring Mark Calloway's career outside of the WWE, to revisiting some favorite matches with collaborations with our friends of the show, to movie reviews, to Ministry of Darkness fantasy drafts. You just never know what we might come out of the grave with next. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Watch the full video versions on YouTube. Follow us on social media at Talking Taker. And, as always, take her easy. All right, we're back now for the bottom line wrap-up. And we're going to be back soon. We're going to be back back on March 16th. We're going to be back for 316 Day. Okay, so that's when the episode will be out. Because <laughs> we can't have a 316 Day special come out on March 20th. <laughs> right? We're going to get this out on March 16th, on 316 Day. So that'll be our next episode. And we're going to do a special review of WWF Livewire from October 19th, 1996. This is the episode where Stone Cold takes over Livewire. Doesn't really take over, but he, he, runs, he runs amok in there. So, fun episode. Something that we didn't really... We didn't talk about at all in the early episodes of the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast, which would have been around episode 4, October 96. We didn't really talk about that, so... We're going to circle back, and we're going to kind of relive 96. We're going to go over his first year. We're going to talk about Livewire, and then we're going to talk about the episode that he's on of Livewire. So I, I think it'll be fun for a 316-day special. So that's coming up in, when you're listening to this, you know, in about 11 days. All right, so we'll be back for that. Also, so plug our pals. So we just heard from Alex and on Talking Taker, and does a sh- great show with Travis White, and they come out with new episodes once a month now. They've, just like us, they've basically covered everything there needs to be covered of the career that they were covering, The Undertaker. And now they're just, you know, on a monthly basis doing special episodes, and they've been doing that, I think it's been two years already, which is crazy to think that their show wrapped up that long ago. But man, they're still at it, and they got great special episodes coming out. They just dropped a new episode a few days ago on March 1st. It's The Life and Times of Paul Barra. So, 
That's great. You know, you can't have a talking taker podcast without talking about Paul Bearer, right? I mean, obviously they talked about Paul Bearer a yeah. shit ton over the years, but a full dedicated nice episode. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. That was a great episode. Yep. So fun stuff there, as always. Follow them on Twitter at Talking Taker. And again, first of every month, a new special episode from them. And also they're on YouTube. They ha- they do video for all their episodes now. So good stuff. Also, check out Booking the Territory, the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. New episodes available every Thursday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And they are covering World Championship Wrestling, WCW. They've been doing that since 1985. They've been covering the shows from 1985 up to where they are now, September 28, 1991. Right, so they're, they're pretty close to where we are right now here with Stunning Steve. And so check them out. Book in the Territory, the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast with Mike Mills, Hard Body Hopper, and Doc Turner. Also, check out Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. New episodes get released every Friday. Their project currently is covering WWF Weekly Television. They started this as a side project, and now it's become their main project for Our Vantage Point. They have wrapped up their regular episodes that they've done. And now they're just focusing on covering weekly episodes. And they started back in 1982. And now they're up to 1985 of WWF Weekly Television Championship Wrestling is what it was called. Yeah, so they uh, just released, as we're recording here on a Friday, just released today, August 3rd, 1985. Macho Man Randy Savage has just come in over the past few weeks and is fucking already yelling about Hulk Hogan! I want you! Like he's already bitching. He wants a fucking title shot right away. Back in 1985, saying that he's better than Hulk Hogan. Awesome to think you know, and see that shit. Macho Man was after Hogan's ass from the start. Like, alright, you're gonna bring me in here? I'm gonna fucking yell about the champion all the time, too. Because if you, if I yell about the champion, that puts me on his level. That puts yep. me in the, in the title picture right away. Manifests it. Yeah, exactly. And also check out Joe Morano and Michael Quinn on their new podcast, which is now already eight episodes in. It's Acid Washed Memories. They release new episodes every Monday. This is a pop culture retro podcast. And they're covering all different types of things. Like this past week, episode eight was all about a tribute to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And memories of Mr. Rogers, but then also other you know, children programming on PBS during that time, so like Sesame Street, Reading Rainbow, and shit like that. So, great nostalgia over there on Acid Wash Memories. On episode 9 that's coming out this upcoming Monday, I'm looking forward to this one. They're going to do a Mount Rushmore, which is one of their you know big-time segments that they used to have on our vantage point. They're going to do the Mount Rushmore of breakfast cereals. Oh. JV, what's your... What's one of your Mount Rushmore breakfast cereals? Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. All right, yeah, I have that. I I did my list. I said Cinnamon Toast Crunch is on there. I have Cheerios. A couple of them are plain, but fucking, hey, you can't go wrong. Cheerios, Corn Flakes, those are my plain ones. And then Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Corn Flakes is definitely on mine, too. Love Corn Flakes. Just with the milk, just awesome. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and the other one was... The fuck, am I... Throwing a blank. It wasn't Tricks. 
Yeah, fourth one was a, a tough one. <laughs> I don't even remember it, so maybe it doesn't belong on Rushmore. Oh, it was Fruity Pebbles. You're right. Pebbles gets yeah, it was Fruity Pebbles. Sure. Yeah, Fruity Pebbles and Cinnamon Toast Crunch, my two cereals that when I want flavor, those are the ones that I'll have. When I want just something plain, regular cereal, I like Cheerios, conflicts. It's tough uh, not to like a lot of cereals. They're all yeah. kind of the same. It's a fucking... It's all sugar. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I like the you know Cheerios and cornflakes because you can avoid the sugar yeah. on those ones. I like kicks. Uh, yeah, kicks. Not big on Cheerios. I mean, I'll eat them. I like regular Captain Crunch. Me too. Not, I don't not like the berries. Berry. I hate the berries. I like the regular little berries yellow. Are too artificial tasting. Yeah. They piss whatever me those off. things are. Just the thing with regular. Captain Crunch though is. I like it. It tastes good. It has like a distinct like vanilla flavor taste. It's the fucking milk, dude. Yeah, in the milk. But the only thing that sucks about the Captain Crunch is when you when you bite it, it like fucks up the top of uh, at least for me, it fucks up the top oh, of the a lot roof of, of my mouth. Do that. Like coffee <laughs> cereals, cocoa puffs. Oh, it's like <laughs> Apple oh, Jacks. I love yeah. Apple Jacks, Fruit Loops, but you can't eat. It's tough. Like they fuck up the top of your mouth. Yeah. So That'll be a fun one. I'm looking forward to listening to that and see what cereals they talk about. All right, and also check out JV and I on the Extreme ECW Livecast. Uh, you can get access to the Extreme ECW Livecast through Booking the Territory's Patreon $5 tier. And we've been doing this show for nearly four years now. We started covering all the way from the beginning of ECW Hardcore TV in 1993, April of 93, and we're currently up to February of 1996. Uh, yeah, I know that's not quite four years, but it took us that long. <laughs> but um, our latest episode is an ECW Supercard special where we cover CyberSlam 1996 from February 17th, 96. And also, last week, JV and I joined Mike Mills on a Booking the Territory live stream. We also had our head of research, Rick Beebe, on there as well. And yeah, that was fun. That was three hours of. Talking ECW, and, and we 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 took the approach of covering what we've covered. So we went through ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, and into ninety six, and just kind of you know shoot shot the sh- shoot the shit shot the shit <laughs> about ECW. And that was fun, and that's available on Patreon as well. It's a nice companion piece to our entire project. It's always fun to. Able to just hang out and talk like oh, that. Yeah. That was fun. Also, uh, we do have ECW Extreme Cast episodes available on a free feed. Okay, so our older episodes, so about a year, a little less than a year ahead of, uh, behind what we are at right now. So, right now, April 11th and April 18th of 1995 are available. So, everything from 93 through April 95 is available for anybody to listen to. Just search Extreme ECW Livecast. And I uh, might as well you know, plug this, ProWrestlingTees.com. If you go to the Book and Territory store, Book and Territory store at ProWrestlingTees.com, there is a new Extreme ECW Livecast shirt available. It's the Extreme Effin Livecast t-shirt. You know, cool one. Paying homage to the old ECFNW t-shirt. You know, we have to get that one out there. So, 
I, I gotta I gotta get mine still, but yeah. Yeah, me too. Probably. Get yourself one. Yeah, me too. So punch it there. If you like us here, you like us there. Extreme ECW Livecast is gradually becoming our main project because you know, we have a lot more to do, <laughs> and not so much more with Austin yeah, fading away here. <laughs> so yeah, join over there so that you can continue the ride with us as this slowly comes to an end here on the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. We'll probably get to a situation where, like Talking Taker, where we do one a month, you know, or every other month or something like that, just to continue with Austin in some form. But yeah, that's our plugs. And uh, guys, thanks for listening as always. And like I said, we'll be back very soon for 316 Day and cover Livewire. Um, but in the meantime, please, if you're enjoying the show, you've enjoyed the show for the years that we've been doing it. If you haven't yet, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. You know, spread the word. If you like it, share it, please. Um, even though, yeah, it is coming to a close, it's still a podcast that people can listen to <laughs> even though it's point. older. Right. You know, if it's, you know, if they haven't heard it, it's new to them. <laughs> so <laughs> spread the word, please. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. And with that said, JV, any final words? All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you very soon for Austin 316 Day. So long. And that's the bottom line. And as far as I'm concerned, this is over with, so get the hell out of here.